This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have another special guest, a impact-driven entrepreneur, a keynote speaker, and another podcast host as well who loves using capitalism and businesses as a vehicle to make the world a brighter place. Welcome today, Raj Jana. How's it going, Raj? Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. Hey, Raj, so uh, to start off before we jump into business and any of that, tell us basically who is Raj, not the entrepreneur, just the person. Oh, uh, so I am a 27-year-old Indian-American. Uh, both my parents came from India. Um, they moved to the States when I was born. Uh, we live in Texas. I live in Austin, Texas at the moment. Um, and I uh, love to travel. I love good food. I love great conversation. And I love meeting new people. Makes me happy. Very good. Very good. So as as an entrepreneur, do we... We know that uh, basically that's you are because you're here. So <laughs> you are most well known for your coffee business and you also podcast as well. Yes. You're the founder and are you the CEO as well of Java Press? Yes, I'm the CEO. I'm affectionately known as the chief brewing officer. Um but uh, yes, I am. I am the CEO at uh, Java Press, which is a coffee company I started a couple years ago. Nice, Chief Brewing Officer. I like that. Yeah. So it, it started in 2015. Is this right? Yep. So we launched our first product, uh, which was a manual coffee grinder, in September of 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's yeah, it's been a journey growing it. Um, grew it. Now, now, now we sell coffee, all sorts of different types of products. Uh, we have a very passionate customer base, and we create a lot of content and and uh, inspiration for people to use coffee as a vehicle to live a happier life. Nice. And, so, yeah. Why, why coffee, Raj? So, I'll be honest. When I first started the company, uh, you know, I, I actually wasn't an entrepreneur. Uh, I, I used to be a petroleum engineer in my in my previous life. Wow. I went to school for petroleum engineering, and then um, I graduated and I got a job at Chevron right out of school as a reservoir engineer. And so, I uh, yeah, I did a lot of I did a lot of work in the oil and gas space. And along the way, uh, I think I was just wasn't happy with being in the. Oil. Not that I didn't like being in the oil. Actually, I loved oil and gas. I just hated the corporate environment. I just didn't feel like it was for me. Uh, I was in a lot of student debt. Um, I had parents I was financially supporting. And then I had a girlfriend I was doing a long distance relationship with. So a lot of reasons. But um, so when I first started in entrepreneurship, I personally wasn't as connected to coffee. I was connected with freedom. Like I, I wanted something else. Uh, so I, was, I started teaching myself how to get into business. I started teaching myself just what it means to market great products and what it means to create great products and how can you can connect both of those to serve amazing customers. And so in the beginning, coffee just seemed like a logical choice because it was an industry that was always in demand. 
And then, so I kind of back engineered uh, a, a niche and industry to service. We started with coffee because coffee always needed a demand. And then when we started looking inside of coffee and I started looking inside of the niche, the industry, the different people that are already in there, where are the gaps, what's not being fulfilled. That's when I stumbled upon just e-commerce, creating certain types of products, and then marketing them and branding them in a way that services a very specific audience inside of the coffee space. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, I wasn't very passionate about coffee. Now I love coffee and I'm much more passionate now. But that connection to coffee came a lot later in my journey. Uh, it wasn't there in the very beginning. So cool. Raj, you know, you were talking and I was in, oh man, it was like so exciting inside because some of the things you said, uh, I relate with them so well. I'm going to tell you a little secret that I was in the oil and gas industry for 10 years. Nice. I was with um, a giant uh, at Oil Giant, Suncor Energy. Yeah, and during that time, because I couldn't stand like the corporate side of it as well, and uh, I started a coffee company. <laughs> so, oh, <my> <laughs> oh man! So yeah, it it didn't work out too well. I had I had a, um, a lot of problems because uh, for being in Canada. So anyway, but uh, let's continue with. Uh, we're, we're best friends already, man. Look at that. That was easy. Yeah, that was easy. Incredible. So you you have your own facilities now. Do you grind? Uh, you you roast your own coffee. Do you grind it? So we uh, yeah. So we work with we work with specialty roasters in the U.S. Um, so we have roasting facilities that we partner with, and mm-hmm. yeah, we roast. We source amazing coffee. We roast amazing coffee, and then we ship it out. And then we also have the equipment side. So we started off with a manual coffee grinder, and now we have yeah. more products that we provide for customers but yeah all started with a coffee grinder and uh, uh, a thirst for for something more nice so uh where is the you're not growing the coffee in the states right uh, what country is it growing so we bring so we bring our coffees from uh bring them from central and south america mm-hmm. eastern parts of africa um i mean countries all over the world man i mean sumatra um, yeah. We had Papua New Guinea, which is off the coast of Austin, like over in, in, in the Java area. I mean, like there's just we, – we bring coffee from everywhere that's important. And um, the only restriction we have, though, is we bring in uh, – we source coffees from farmers that are passionate about making a difference. So nice. all of our farmers have to have some sort of like a connection to their communities they have to have some sort of impact piece, whether it's giving back, whether it's teaching, whether it's taking care of the environment. They have to have some piece that's important to them. Um, and uh, that, that was always very important to me. I've, I've always believed that. So I, I, uh, I had a, a mentor who worked uh, close to about 30 or 40 years at the same company when I worked at Chevron. He was my cubicle mate. When I was starting Java Press, uh, with about three months left until his retirement, he had a heart attack and passed. And he worked in the same company. He was a geologist, just worked there for 30, 40, 37 years. And um, at that point, I just made a decision that any business I was going to start and any business that I was personally invested in um, would have to be connected to causes and helping people, uh, helping people connect back to what's really important for that. So whether that's in 
charity or helping customers and being very intentional in the impact we deliver there or sourcing beans from really, really, really cool farmers that are also making a difference. I mean, um, that's been one of the biggest core values for Java Press and Stayground and all the businesses I'm a part of. It's just, we have to help because um, uh, if, I don't know, I just feel like entrepreneurs have this amazing ability to create something from nothing. Like they can mm-hmm. they dream something up and then they create it and it impacts so many lives. If So if entrepreneurs also added that other piece of just giving through the products, the services, whatever it might be, just helping people. I think entrepreneurs can make a, there's so much change around the world. And uh, so, yeah, that's something I hope to do through example. Very good. Raj, I see that because you like the business and you also like the fact that you want to change things and you want to give back. So I'm guessing uh, you're a millennial. That's, that's built into you, right? You like giving back and being part of something. I think being connected to something more than giving back. Like mm-hmm. I don't just donate money for the sake of donating it. You know, like it has to be a cause that I'm personally invested in. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, and, and giving is, doesn't always have to mean the traditional word give, right? Like a lot of people, people think giving means time. Giving means money. Um, giving can also mean attention. It can mean love. It can mean happiness. It can mean, fulfillment it can mean connection it can mean gratitude i mean there's so many things you can give to people now so when you change that word giving and you take it and kind of expand it out to me i think that everything we do in business can have a giving element to it you can give to your employees through incredible culture at the company you can give to your customers through a very amazing customer experience you can give to your suppliers by paying them fair trade or direct trade or, or, or good pricing so that they can go and take care of their families. You know, so I think that giving, um, and maybe it's a millennial thing. I don't know. Um, I just think it feels better to give. It feels better to do business that way. I mean, I just have so much more fun when I work with people and it doesn't feel like anybody's trying to screw other people over. It's a, it's a win-win. I'm a big fan of win-win relationships and, if I can create that um, through some vehicle like business, then that'll be it. It's a lot more fun. Yeah, it's always fun. If it's a win-win, yeah, there's no no way to go wrong there, right? 100%. Yeah, I see your your official partner with a Make-A-Wish Foundation in uh, Texas as well, right? That's that's where you are right now, Austin, Texas? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Austin, Texas. And uh, yeah, we do work with Make-A-Wish. Uh, I love working with kids. I think that, uh, especially those kids. Um, do you, do you, for those of you who don't know what make a wish is, make a wish is a organization that helps, um, children with life threatening diseases experience their dream come true. So a lot of these kids have stage three, stage four cancer or like liver diseases. Some of them have a couple months left to live. And so, you know, the organization asks those kids what they want out of life like they have anything they want and then donors come together and make those wishes come true. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of, of what we do. Yeah. Very nice. That's kind of the ones we see that sometimes a sports celebrity or a TV celebrity goes over and visits them because that's their dream. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. That the feeling of being in that room, I guess, 
uh, to see that, it must be so amazing. You know, it's it's funny. I remember the first time we decided we wanted to work with Make a Wish. Uh, you know, like I was looking at a lot of different charities and stuff. And remember when I went to Make a Wish, I asked them, you know, how much, you know, give me some more details on the kids. Like I always thought, just like you, you know, like hmm. all kids want to meet The Rock or you know John Cena or like they want to meet uh, like Captain America. You know, like they want to meet these like like giant actors and sports heroes and that's what I always thought. But uh, then I found out that 90% of wishes are actually kids asking for a new bedroom makeover, a party mm-hmm. at like Chuck E. Cheese with their best friends or like a, a trip to Disney world. Um, like these kids are asking for such humble, humble wishes when there are billionaires lining up that would give these kids anything they wanted. Mm-hmm. And all these kids just want something small with the people they care about and uh, I don't know. It was just a, a very humble reminder for for me, and and um, on and just I don't know. It was a big lesson for in life, I guess, in general. It's just you know, while we're chasing all these big things, let's not forget the little things that bring us joy. Because um, here are kids who, you know, are months away from 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 death, and and that's all they want. And so it was just a humbling reminder. Wow! Wow! So so powerful, Rash. So back to um, back to the nine to five in your oil industry business. You're out of that completely now. Yep. Yeah, I'm out. I uh, I used to. Yeah, I left July 2017. I built Java Press up while I worked full time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I started the company September 2015, but I didn't feel comfortable leaving until we were making a good amount of money and I had a team and resources. And so. Until I was at that point, I stayed in. Uh, so yeah, July 2017 is when I left. Yeah, Java Press is past the seven figures. Are you around the eight yet? Uh, getting there. We're not there yet. Um, but yeah, we've uh, we're, we're we're getting there. We've sold since we started. We've sold over eight figures worth of products over mm-hmm. the cumulative years of us being in business. But we haven't broken the eight figure mark per year yet. Cool, cool. Very good. So, uh, of course, uh, that that feels like like a huge success, and that's a a really great growth, actually. Right from zero, you don't have any venture funding. That's it was all on your own. Yep. So we bootstrapped it. We went from zero to seven figures in about say eleven months. Um, So it was uh, was fast. It was fast, but it was a lot of fun. Um, growing, learning, just kind of throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what's stuck. But, uh, but yeah, so we experienced the growth really fast and then sustaining it was a whole nother sort of learning curve for me. I mean, I didn't go to business school. I, you know, I, I kind of, that was my first real stint. I kind of taught myself everything. I had great mentors and stuff, but so yeah, I kind of had those growing pains along the way, but it was, it's been fun. Yeah. That's impressive. 11 months is very, very impressive. So um, throughout those, uh, let's say, 0 to 11 months or 0 to a million, it grew that fast. And, of course, not everything went right. Tell me some of the bad experiences or failures you had along that way. I think the biggest failure we had was – so our first product was, like I said, a manual coffee grinder. and still is one of our best-selling products, and we've made several iterations and – we have, we have a patent on it now. It's like, there's a lot that we've done to it now, 
but in the beginning, uh, I just sourced a private label product, like something that anybody could sell. And I just wanted to get started fast. So when I did that, um, I didn't know this, but you know, two months in, I realized that the grinder had an extremely fatal design flaw that caused almost every single unit to break. Oh. So, you know, I was selling, we were making some traction, you know, there were, we were having real customers, real reviews, real people. And all of a sudden we started getting 90 plus percent returns because everybody's product was breaking. Um, you say 90? 90. Every single product was breaking. Uh, so, you know, and it was just, I mean, I remember freaking out at that point. I was like, oh, this is done. Like, oh, and then, um, you know, I, I had, uh, I don't know, at that point, I just, I realized, all right, you know, if there's anything I can do, it's, it's just communicate with customers. Uh, what I, what I lacked in, in product quality, I overemphasized in customer service and experience. Mm -hmm. So when somebody would, you know, send us an email within, you know, five minutes, I would like, I have a canned response in my phone. I'd be like, I know why they're, they're emailing me right now. I'm just going to copy, paste, send. And, you know, so within five minutes, they'd get a response from me. And I'd be honest. I was, you know, it's, uh, but th there's one thing we did really well in that really low time was just very transparent with customers. Yes. And I was like, look, we made a design flaw in the grinder. Um, it's been breaking. Uh, we're getting this fixed. So for now, I'd love to give you a refund and I'll send you a new one. It's going to break. But when we fix the problem, I'll send you replacement parts just as a thank you. And I remember the weirdest thing happened. I thought people would be really upset that the product was breaking. But what ended up happening was that customers were super appreciative that they got a response so quickly. They're like, oh my God, I've never heard of any company responding that fast before. Um, no, I appreciate it. I didn't even think I'd get a response, to be honest. Like, And so all of a sudden, these these one-star reviews we were getting, these returns that were happening, because we were taking care of them so quickly, they turned into our biggest fans. Mm -hmm. They gave us the benefit of the doubt. And so over time, that turned into word of mouth. That turned into people telling others about this company. And then that just it started turning into this very organic, viral sort of talk. Then when we fixed the product, I reached out to all of them and I was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, I fixed the product. I'm going to send you a free part. Thank you for your patience. And I really appreciate it. Boom. They were lifelong customers. I mean, those are the customers that have paid for, you know, two, $3,000 worth of coffee in the last year. Um, whether it's gifting their friends and family or buying our coffee and keeping it with them free. I mean, those are the guys and girls and, and families that have been supporters of us for the longest time. And, um, and it just started from radical honesty. I mean, it was just being extremely transparent. It took us some time. We weren't making money for three or four months. So we were cash flow negative for three, four months, which, you know, I had savings. I was dipping into my retirement fund because I was still at, in my, in my oil and gas company. And so, you know, I, I didn't have to, that's the biggest, I think, learning for me is, you know, most people, they talk about, uh, you know, it's hard to have a job and have a business. I think it's harder to have a failing business and not a job than it is to have a job and a, and a failing business. I think that 
I think for me, having that cash coming in saved me 100% because I was able to just weather the storm. I knew that I could fix the problem. But yeah, once we fixed that problem, it set the standard for customer service at our company now. Now, uh, I don't respond within five minutes now, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, the attitude of just how we treat our customers has stuck with us throughout. But yeah, so I guess one of the best things about us came from one of our biggest failures. So I don't know. No, that's, that's an incredible story. And, and you know what? When you mentioned about uh, having the failing business and managing while working nine to five and all that, I've been on both sides of the situation as one of the times I you know, let go my nine to five too early. And as you know, being, let's say, in the oil and gas industry, everybody makes at least six figures over there. And e-commerce, which is what I do, and e-commerce, for you to clear six figures, you need to sell uh, at least half a million because we're doing about 20% margins, right? So you need to sell half a million. And when you see half a million coming in, you think you're making a lot of money, but you're not. You're just breaking even with your nine to five. So that's why I recommend now, uh, if you can do uh, you know, for a long time and we can do 16 hours a day because you're going to do 12 in your normal work, do work for yourself as well and keep that nine to five as long as you can because of these situations. And, uh, that's like my experience is that keep it as, as, as long as you can, right. Until it's worth it. You know, I, uh, I'm not even going to take credit for it. You know, my, my parents made me stay. <laughs> you know, like my parents were like, you're not leaving until we see this successful for this amount of time. Like you're not leaving until you pay off all your debts. I mean, I, the first time I started making sales, I was like, oh, this works. I can just run and do whatever I wanted. So I'm not going to take all the credit. I had a support system that had told me to be wiser. And uh, in hindsight now, looking back on my life, I'm, I'm very grateful that I, I took that advice. Yeah, that's pretty good advice. I see all all the gurus today, they all have an ad for a course that says, quit your job today. And when I see that, I'm like, no, no, do not quit yet, right? Make sure you secure yourself. But and that's a different story. More than even securing yourself, it's just learning how to be an entrepreneur, right? Like when you're working a full-time job, like I remember me, like I didn't know how to be an entrepreneur. Like I was, I had an employee mindset. I was an employee like, I didn't know how to take risks. I didn't know how to, I, I didn't know how to foster positivity and a growth. Mind. Like, I didn't have that. I had to learn that. And I think looking back, if I didn't spend the time as much time as I did, like, I mean, when I first started, I was reading a ton of books and, and like learning a lot and just like constantly like feeding my mind positivity. Like if I wouldn't have done that and if I wouldn't have been able to do that while I had the safety net of a paycheck. Uh, mm-hmm. then whenever like the tough times came in my business, I would have crumbled like easily. I would have just looked at it and, and, and not gotten anything out of it because I would have just thought that the world was ending and I would have thought negative and I would have just not taken action and not been resourceful. And so I think all those things comes from, from, from having safety. Like when you have safety, uh, and you're hungry, right? You can't just have safety yeah. and be complacent. If you're complacent, then it's, it's, it doesn't matter. But like, if you're if if you have safety and you're hungry, it's actually an incredible opportunity to just build skills and confidence and self belief and 
all those intangibles that do end up actually helping you weather the storms when they come in or out of business, life, whatever you're doing. I think that giving yourself the space and and the distance from failure uh, to just practice and get better at failing. I mean, like I had to yeah. learn how to fail too. That was something I had to learn along along the way. But yeah, so I think I think that's that's another reason why I just think you know sticking with your job while you're building something and growing is one of the best things you can do. Yeah, and you know what? More probably more than half of the time that you're at your nine to five, you're probably working on your own job anyway. You're just getting paid to do it. At least I was. <laughs> no one talks about that, but it's true. It's yeah. true. If somebody's paying you, even if it's not what you expect, even if it's not the job you love, but you you're working on your own half of the time, just stick it stick it up a little bit longer. That is the best advice I've heard all day. Mm. That is, that is brilliant advice. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, Raj, uh, when you were getting those 90% returns, were you on, uh, do you have like your uh, WooCommerce, Shopify, or are you on Amazon? Uh, we're on Shopify and Amazon. So, okay. the business at the time with those 90% returns were Amazon. Okay. Did they close your account immediately? Uh, no, because so this is something I accidentally did. Well, see again, I'm a I'm a product of accidents. I take well I take I take well researched accidents. That's all I did. I listened to my mentors. I read a ton. I bought every course I could, and then I made educated decisions based on that because I didn't know how to make those decisions myself. But one of my mentors early on impressed the importance of having an incredible product experience. Um, and when, when I say product experience, it's not like the bells and whistles and opening a box and something comes out like that's okay, mm -hmm. can be a part of the experience, but designing and anticipating what your customers are going to experience and then giving them a way to fix that problem on their own. Um, so in our product inserts and in our boxes and everything we were doing, literally I went and I read every single bad review on every single one of my competitors. And then I created content, uh, inserts, like boxes, videos that answered and fixed all of those bad reviews as problems. Mm -hmm. So most of the time, and then I had my contact information in the, in the thing saying that, hey, look, anything that happens, it doesn't matter. I don't care if your dog eats this product. I will replace it. I will send you a replacement. So I told people that. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time, instead of going to Amazon, people actually reached out to me directly oh. and they would just reach out. So yes, we were getting poor reviews on Amazon and yes, but not to the point where it was going to kill us because now when people were reaching out to us, not only when we're, when they were leaving bad reviews, not only was my team immediately commenting on it and sending them replacements. And then most of the time people would change their reviews mm -hmm. you know, after the experience, but now they were coming to us from this other angle to get help on something and we were taking care of them above and beyond and they started leaving good reviews based on the customer service. I think like 30 or 40% of my reviews on Amazon are from the customer service. Like nice. it's, it's not from the product. Yes, the product quality is a big part, but like customer service is what really kind of got us there. So, um, so yeah, so I didn't get shut down on Amazon. I haven't been shut down on Amazon before, but that was not the reason. I didn't get shut down because of all those returns, which, like I said, thankful that I had 
the right mentors teach me the right things at the right time in my life. Cause uh, that was exactly what happened then. Perfect. And is Amazon big part of your sales today in the States? Yeah, we do probably around like 80% of our sales on Amazon, 20% on Shopify. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shopify, do you know what your conversion rate is? Uh, that's something we are actively working on. Um, yeah. Cause we, so we have a subscription only product. Um, yeah. Right. So the conversion rates are a lot lower than a traditional like one time buy product. Mm-hmm. Um, so our conversion rates, I don't know, we range anywhere from like the one to two percent range, which you know, isn't isn't too high. But that's uh, not that's not too bad either, right? The average is awful. I just we're we're doing we're doing okay, but the like we have to be extremely targeted in our advertising. Um, we haven't been able to just. That's why it's only twenty percent of our business. We haven't been able to just scale like crazy because that one to two percent is for like extremely targeted audience after we spend a lot of money on content and ads mm-hmm. and nurturing and we build that relationship and then they come through our funnel, you know? Um, and so it, uh, so that's something that like we're working on and we're growing and we're changing, but you know, it's something, this is something that most people don't talk about, but like, you know, I wish there was a good resource for people who were selling on Amazon to become rapidly good at e-commerce quickly because I remember like I, I, I became, we pretty much got our mountains of success on Amazon first. And then when I was trying to move over to e-commerce, there were so many new skill sets that I had to learn that I didn't have to know on Amazon. Like I didn't really have to know CRO because really like Amazon did pretty much all of the CRO for us, like the tough CRO, right? Like yeah. designing checkout pages and like, you know, like land, like, like speeds of the website and like, all these different things that like an email capture and lead gen and like, uh, you know, nurturing, like, like, e- like email marketing, conversion rate optimization, uh, like this paid media. And there's 16 different kinds of paid media. There's retention, there's card abandonment. There's all these different elements that you as an Amazon seller just don't have to know. And, um, you know, like, so I didn't have to know any of this. I just, I, I had, to, I learned it. So the last year and a half we launched our coffees uh, October of 2017. So, mm-hmm. you know, like it's been about a year and a half now of us having this coffee program live. And man, in the last year I have learned so much, but like, you know, it's just, it's an uphill battle for most, most people who sell on Amazon. Like I think for most people, if they want to scale fast, it's easier to just keep launching things on Amazon than it is to go off of Amazon and try building a brand platform just because that's got more equity if you want to sell the company or yeah. it's got more equity for a long-term game because you actually own the customer. But uh, boy, is that early phases of learning e-commerce versus just doing Amazon a completely different game. And I had to learn a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, Raj, I started my, my very first experience with e-commerce was in 1997 when I was still living in Europe. And since then, I've been uh, not full-time into it, but uh, for all these 20-something years, I've been working on that and SEO. So, you know, knowing a little bit of everything, I still feel overwhelmed with, now we got to know this and this and this. And uh, so now I use the just-in-time learning solution. So... I'm not going to learn, for example, let's say email marketing. 
not going to learn email marketing until the day that I'm going to use it, right? Yes. So uh, instead of starting to learn this and this and this and not applying it until 2020, which is uh, kind of a waste of your learning time, I apply it to the things that I'm using today or get a VA that has all that experience that now there's some good places that have them already perfectly trained in each thing. Although most entrepreneurs like to have uh, a hand in what they're doing, right? Control. Yeah. I, uh, if there's one thing I did well starting my company is I got myself out of that. Um, hmm. Cause I was working full time. I didn't have the time to do everything. So I had to start trusting team members and bringing people on a lot very early in my, in my journey. So when we launched the coffees and we got into e-commerce, I mean, I was very comfortable taking the profits from Amazon and investing in good team members mm -hmm. that not only bring results, but teach me. So I learned a lot of e-commerce through hiring the right people to teach me what to know and what not to know. So now I'm at that point where I know enough about everything, but I know enough to hire good people. Uh, that can do even better. So that was my extent. Like I, 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 I'm a huge fan. I mean, I'm an avid learner in general. Um, and uh, I found for me in my business, the fastest way I learn is by working with people who are smarter than me. Um, if I have to take a course now, um, to me, it took me about you know a year of consistent four to five hours a day, tinkering, tweaking, learning, testing trying different things on Amazon for me to feel like I had gotten a really good grasp on the subject. Uh, with e-commerce, as we talked about, there's all these different things. Man, if I was going to take the time to do that, uh, you know, like I wouldn't get anything done. Um, and so I think it was a big learning for me. Just I value speed over my own ego, which is what I realized was getting in the way. Like having to know everything was actually just me feeling like I'm superhuman and I'm Superman. Um, and uh, I think the second I decided that, you know what, I don't care who gets it done. I don't care if I'm not even the one responsible for bringing the success for the company. I want to make sure that the right people are doing the right jobs at the right times. Um, because if any of those equations or any of those variables in the equations are off, um, usually there's something about to go wrong. Um, so that was something I learned early on and it's, it's been very helpful in my journey. That is so powerful right there. So for, for all of you listening, I want you to go back and listen, listen to this part that Raj said again, because that's what actually gets you growing. Uh, I had that experience on the negative side, Raj. Uh, the ego got involved. Because I did it for so many years, for the longest time, I figured I, I know it all, you know, I, I didn't want to have somebody else do certain things because I, I'm the one that can do it the best. And that delayed my growth so much just to know that I, I would think, you know, this, this young entrepreneur that started yesterday, uh, figure of speech, he now is trying to teach me techniques. No, that's not going to happen, right? Next thing I know, this young entrepreneur turns a 10 million in no time while I'm, I'm still not there, right? And changing my mindset was huge and letting go of that ego and knowing that there's people out there that have been in the business 
way, way less time than you, but they have a different set of skills that can just get to the point that you want to go 10 times quicker. And so that's very powerful what you said and it's 100% true. Just let the expert do it and they're going to do it quicker and better than you more than likely or, or me. That's, that's my case. Yeah. And, you know, I think that all of our passions change over time too, right? Like, you know, just because you're great, like I me mean, my experience, like when I was great at something, I loved doing it for a certain amount of time. And then I found a new part of business that I really started enjoying, right? And if I if I would have just kept trying to do the same thing all the time, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to learn and grow and develop another side of my own business acumen. So I think that learning to let go is one of the hardest things entrepreneurs have to deal with um, just because we've been solo and so self-reliant for so long. You know, like that's one of the best things of entrepreneurs too. Like we're so self-reliant that we can self-start things. And, you know, like, like that's, that's, that's actually a huge skill set. But I think in this department, uh, it, it slows us down just because, um, again, like if we're, if we're doing the same thing over and over and over again throughout life, then, um, we're slowly going backwards. And I think the best way to train your mind into, being somebody or, or training yourself into being somebody that can continuously do things over time is learning to trust people uh, to, even if they can, you know, there's actually a big trick that I used when I first started. Um, I didn't hire people that could replace me. I hired people that can do 90% of what I could do. And the biggest uh, change that came was, I think I, I don't remember where I read this, but um, I read this quote somewhere and it was a 90% is still an A. So if you think about college, right? Like I didn't care about getting a hundred on a test. I just wanted a 90 because if I got a 90, that means that I got my GPA that I needed in order for me to get my 4.0, right? So why aren't we using that same logic in hiring? Like, 90%. That's all you need. You just need to have somebody be a 90, not perfect, not you, because you're a hundred, right? A 90. And then doing that over time made me feel comfortable with like, okay, this is great. Like I, you know, it just but anyways, that's that was something that was very helpful. Yeah, it's funny that you only wanted a 90. And when I was going through college, uh, all I needed was a 50. That was <laughs> <laughs> there it is man there it is yeah so <laughs> that's <was> my motivation <laughs> so raj when it comes to selling more and quicker uh i found that certain categories and i feel that coffee falls into that uh can grow very fast and quick with influencer marketing is that something that you guys are working on we didn't do a lot of influencer marketing yet. We're going to start. Um, but we, again, that's one of those things like, you know, million different things that like, you know, we're finally starting to really ramp up our affiliates and our influencer marketing. Um, I do see the power. It's huge. Um, you know, coffee is a really interesting space though, just because everybody drinks coffee, right? Like coffee is like a very, very, very wide niche, but like, 
that's why I think there can be so much success in it because there can be very small niches inside of niches inside of niches in this mm-hmm. giant niche. So um, with influencers, what's really interesting, uh, one thing we're testing right now is, you know, um, finding those micro niches where, so like, if I know that influencers sell products, right? Like they're trying to differentiate between two different types of influencers. You either have influencers that create and promote products for like their audience's awareness, right? So it's a brand play. So you have someone like Tim Ferriss, right? Tim Ferriss isn't trying to make money on his affiliate promotions. He's just trying to promote something that's very useful for his audience. Um, Then you have other people uh, who I I can't think of any off the top of my head, but like, if you think of like, there are other influencers that have an entire business around promoting affiliate products. Um, So one thing I'm starting to realize is just that finding and identifying both for their value that they can provide to you, right? Like if I went to Tim Ferriss and I came to him and I said, Hey Tim, you know, this is our product. And if he agreed to promote it, that would lead to sales and something valuable for his audience. Um, But then there's also another angle of going to influencers who already have businesses of selling products and they might have a coffee product. I'll build a relationship with them and say, Hey, look, let me pay you more than what that coffee company is paying you now. Mm -hmm. And that's how I would get that person's connection. So I think that, you know, it's, it's something I'm learning. I'm not perfect at yet by any means. We don't use it highly effectively, but I think influencer marketing can have massive potential, but it has to be through a controlled medium that can lead to sales. So like, the best mediums I've seen that work really well for us, email. So any influencer that has a huge list, that usually works amazingly for us. Just because an influencer has a ton of Instagram followers does not necessarily mean that they're going to lead to sales for us. Um, yeah. Email list has been king for us. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I just think that knowing where your influencer is getting their influence is really important. Yeah. And I think, you know what, you mentioned Tim Ferriss. Uh, he has his own coffee brand, right? No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying I would go to Tim. You know, like I, I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not saying I'd go to Tim, but my, my point is that, um, you know, Tim, as an influencer, he's a certain type of influencer, right? Like, and I just think that being able to differentiate, because I used to think that all influencers were the same. Like they all, like, they're, they're, like I used to think that there wasn't really a strategy with influencer marketing. And now I'm realizing I was very wrong. Um, influencer marketing purely as a strategy means identifying influencers that make money off of product recommendations. And if you can build relationships with those influencers, whether it be by going to conferences or getting connected through like-minded friends or, or you like just creating a product that's so useful for them, whatever the angle is, but identifying influencers that have a business of making money off of product recommendations will save a lot of time and energy because uh, otherwise you're just going to be spending money on influencers that don't necessarily lead to sales. They might lead to brand recognition, but if you're going for brand recognition, then you got to go get people that have a recognizable brand. You know, like it's, it's not always just about people that have followers anymore. I think that there's another metric of influence, um, that, uh, that, that leads to more lucrative, uh, ventures. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we see those influencers that all they do is, uh, 
sell and post pictures of themselves with other people's products. So their audience gets used to being sold to. So they don't convert well to those offers. It just generates brand awareness. So your brand gets seen, but that's very expensive. Uh, when And it doesn't generate sales. But talking about influencers and celebrities and all that, I saw a video of you with uh, the shark, Damon John, and he yeah. talked highly about you. Uh, what happened there? So I, uh, yeah, so I, I won a mentorship uh, about a year and a half ago, end of 2017. I won a mentorship through this competition. I didn't even apply for it, to be honest. My assistant did. She put my name in the hat, and I ended up getting like a, uh, I'm becoming a finalist and I had to shoot a video explaining, you know, what my business was. I had to tell a dad joke. Like it was like a, just like a, a spoof like thing, but apparently out of 2000 applicants, they ended up choosing four people and I was one of them. So I got to go and, uh, get, uh, an hour long targeted mentoring session with Damon and then just hang out with his team all day. And, uh, and yeah, so in, in that time I got to, they filmed my time with Damon and uh, I guess Damon said those nice things about me after our meeting. He, uh, he was pretty hard on me during the meeting. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, he's, he's a great guy and his team's so great. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how that relationship was built. And I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from his team, actually. His team is phenomenal. And um, it was fun for me to just see the back-end business of a very famous celebrity like what does that look like you know how does it run who runs it what do they invest in you know like it's just so that was really valuable for me uh in addition to the advice i got it was just valuable for me to see how someone like damon does business how about that joke that got you the top do you want to do you want to tell it here <laughs> uh, sure so why did the can crusher leave his job i don't know because it was soda pressing. <laughs> nice, nice. I can see. I can see how that took you to that. It was all in the delivery. It was all in the delivery. <laughs> Very good, Raj. Today, how many people are part of Java Press Coffee Company? We've sold to over two hundred and thirty thousand unique customers in the last three, four years. I guess. Mm -hmm. So. I would say that many. <laughs> How many in your team? Well, my team, I have seven people. Nice. And you have a podcast as well, and it is called Stay Grounded. Stay Grounded. Yeah, I started the podcast. Um, so after my mentor passed uh, and we changed the brand to helping people use coffee to live happier lives, we started creating a lot of content around you know using coffee and rituals and gratitude and mindfulness as vehicles for living fulfilling lives and so our email through our emails i was sending out constant you know positivity newsletters and and you know like really just talking about using coffee as like the bridge to happiness and passion and fulfillment all these things right uh randomly i got an email back from one of my customers who was really, he was really impressed with uh, the quality of the emails and the message. And he's like, gosh, I don't know if, but you need a podcast. I help people on podcasts. Let me do it for you. So then I got on a call with him later 
we got together and he helped me put together um, the Stay Grounded podcast, which was helping people um, learn how to infuse happiness, fulfillment, passion, productivity, love, uh, fearless living into just daily life. And so we launched that. And then over time, it just grew into a beast of its own. You know, it started off being just something that was helping customers. Like we were using it as a retention tool for our coffee mm -hmm. customers. And then over time, it turned into uh, just this amazing tool that I was personally learning, using to learn from amazing people and and uh, and just inspire. And, and now, and so we split out the podcast from the coffee company um, earlier in the year, actually. And so now there are two separate companies and so stay grounded now has its own podcast, its own following its own like courses and everything that it does over there. And Java press is over here doing everything that it does over here. Um, so yeah, that's the podcast. We just help people realize and leverage the tools they already have to live an extraordinary life. Amazing. Rash, we're coming up on time. So let everybody know, where they can find you, where they can hear the podcast, and where they can find JavaPress. Yeah, sure. So you can just go to my website, rajjana.com. You can get involved however you choose fit for you. Uh, the podcast is available there. The podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, all over the place. If you just Google Stay Grounded, um, you'll, you'll find it. Um, and uh, yeah, just rajjana.com. That's where I would head. That's really got everything for you. JavaPress is javapress.com that's a place where you can go learn about the e-commerce company the story and if you love coffee you can have some of that too um but uh yeah any any way you guys want to get in touch i'm on social media you can get me on instagram or um or twitter really anywhere so i'm i'm available and, and more than glad to uh to say hi to anybody who wants to say hi very good so i'll have all those links on the show notes and as soon as we're done here, stop recording. I'm going to follow Raj on all the social media. And so I advise you guys to do the same thing. And at the same time, check out the show notes and give us uh, some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is that you're listening. Raj, thank you so much for being here and spending some time with us. Well, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you. Thanks for subscribing to FailFast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit FailFastPodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.